Welcome to the Open Pantry Podcast for yet another episode. I hope you are safe and well wherever you are listening to this podcast from. This is a series that I have named Transition and I wanted to give back to the industry and really talk about strategy moving forward and how we can continue to operate our businesses safely, profitably and think about a new strategy and purpose as we move forward to build a better industry. So what I've done is built this 10-part series in which I talk to industry experts in Australia, New Zealand and the US on what they believe is the best strategy to focus on to survive. Continuous improvement is a shared responsibility, but action is an independent one. So I hope you really enjoy these episodes as we move forward in this special 10-part series and really get something out of it. So make sure you share this with people that you think are going to get some value out of it. I'd really love to know what you think. Take care. Welcome to the Open Pantry Podcast for yet another episode. Whether you're listening or watching, I appreciate your time. So thanks for tuning in. Today is very special as always, um, but as we work to really broaden our base and talk to different suppliers and producers, uh, it's fantastic to talk to someone who I've seen the product for a couple of years, been really excited, especially coming out of being a producer myself in my teens and 20s, to talk to Pepe from Pepe Sayers Cultured Butter. How are you, Pepe? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's amazing to have you on, man. Um, now, Thank you. If, if um, people, we're going to get into your, your product in a second because it's <laughs> such, an amazing, uh, such an amazing product. Do you want to talk about how you started out in your career so people would just have an understanding? Yeah, so, uh, so I come from a, um, a marketing background, I guess, where I studied mm. marketing and, and worked in sales and marketing for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And then um, when the GFC hit, I had that sort of come to Jesus moment where I gone, okay, I need to get into something that's sustainable for the long term. Mm. Um, so farming was a, was a big thing for me, but the problem with farming is, well, not the problem with farming, but the issue around getting into farming or the statement I made about, oh, getting into farming, wanting to go down farming road, mm-hmm. is that unless you have quite a lot of capital, farming's more of a generational sort of... Uh, mm. Yeah, uh, most definitely. <laughs> Something uh, to take, right? Because, because you've got to outlay money for the farm. Mm-hmm. If you're borrowing all that money to, to buy a farm, it's going to take a very long time to pay it all off. Mm -hmm. So I decided that producing food would be sort of a good mid road for, for, uh, for me. And I'd be very comfortable in that spot, Mm -hmm. but as close to the farm as possible. So I think it, it worked out well at the end. I mean, it took me a while to get into butter, uh, because we started, I I joined partnership with some people and Mm -hmm. we started making some desserts. And then I figured, Oh wow, we can, go into butter just by accident I fell into it yeah and right. um yeah it's a bit hard accident falling into butter yeah, but like, no, oh, it's cool <laughs> it's sort of it's sort of one of those things where I was I was making some uh, I had some cream left over and then I decided oh let's not waste the cream and I churned it thought oh, I'll turn it into butter because what can you do with cream you can't do anything except churn it basically mm-hmm. I couldn't freeze it so I churned it, it didn't work. And 
you know, then I thought, oh, how do you make butter and how do you make good butter? And, mm-hmm. and then a whole world opened up for me. So yes. that's, that's how I got into it, where it sort of came out of that, I guess, the marketing background where you're always asking the question. And this was no different where I was going, well, how do you make good butter? And is there a market for good butter? And why are we all buying imported butter for? Why aren't we eating Australian butter, you know? So mm-hmm. like um, even if you turn on the TV, you'll see heaps of ads for imported butter and you open the magazines and you go, the, the biggest area of the shelves is imported butter, yeah. not local butter, mm-hmm. right? So you're sort of going, oh, well, why is that? And sort of, well, why can't we do it here? So I'm a, I, I sort of very much focus about... Um, if if you were if you were living in France, mm-hmm. you'd eat French butter. Yes, yeah? correct. You, you'd, you'd eat French meat. You'd eat French everything: mm-hmm. French baguette, French mm-hmm. wheat, French wine. You, it'll just be French, yeah. Yes. But mm-hmm. here in Australia, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know whether we we all just see ourselves as internationals, all Good in point. just one place, mm-hmm. and and we go, oh, you know, no, I'm going to buy my, you know, I'm going to buy my butter from France and I'm going to get my, you know, wine from Spain. And, and it's great to have that choice mm-hmm. because that's who we are. We, we, as consumers, we all have choices, mm-hmm. but it's also about making best in class available um, in Australia for Australians, you know, that, so if we're making a best in class product, you're more likely to buy it mm-hmm. rather than buying something imported. So, so I think it comes back to us, uh, as an industry making really high quality products at the right price. So, so, mm. so yeah, that's where I've ended up after, uh, <laughs> after uh, 10 years. So that's the background of it. Was it. Do you think it was a benefit that you had that marketing and branding background before Pepe? Because I come from a, you know, a bakery background and um, the you know the boulangers i work with you know coming up to the ranks like if it wasn't french butter that we were using or if it wasn't new zealand butter that we were using it wasn't worth it you know what i mean like it was always imported butter was was it a was it a benefit for you to have the branding and marketing focus in order to brand pepe say and to be a really high quality butter that people would trust and believe in in australia yeah i i totally agree with that i mean the fact that I had some kind of background in, in understanding a bit of marketing, a bit of branding, a bit of sales definitely paved the way. I, mm-hmm. I think if I went in it where I was just, you know, oh, I'm all about the product because, you know, that, that's one of the biggest problems. You've got, you've got like cheese makers in Australia making the most incredible cheese, mm. yet no one knows they're making incredible cheese. Mm. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so we, we look at it like, like let's take butter sheets that we do for, for the patisseries mm. uh, or the bakeries. And when we first went to the bakeries, like, yeah, like you said, they're using French and New Zealand butter. And, and the question is, it, it's not why they were doing that. The question is, how do I convert them over to this? How do I become best in class? Yes. How can I? How can I get this product under their under their nose, under their skin? You know, mm-hmm. to believe in, that we can do this as well. Yes. And and when and and we ended up creating our own pr- worst problem because when we started, because you have to start at a point, right? Of course. So when we started at that 
point, say, zero, and then we're working towards two or one or three or whatever, mm-hmm. um, we ended up where we weren't delivering the best quality we could. Right. Well, we mm-hmm. were delivering the best quality we could, yes. but it wasn't as good as what they were getting. So we were, sure. we were sort of, oh, no, look, we need to do better than this. No, mm-hmm. like we were, we were learning as we were going, but, but we didn't have the, the capital to invest in the latest technology and machinery that the imported butters were made at the standard they were made. So it took mm-hmm. us a long time to get there. You know? mm-hmm. But you have to start somewhere. Yeah, of course. But we were very lucky that the the guys in the artisan um, bakery movement in Australia believed so much in what we were doing that they turned a very, very, very blind eye <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> for a very long time. Yes, you know, like a, we'll turn a blind eye for two years. You know, like right. we'll, we'll, we'll wow, and we'll leave you develop the product. You. Yeah. Yeah. We'll work with you and we'll mm. try hard to make you make a better product or help you make a better product. And I think, um, I think that worked. I mean, you look at Sonoma, they were so patient with us, you know, mm. like mm. Um, it, it wasn't that we were sending them bad product. It, it just wasn't, it, it Up wasn't. the standard they were used to or? Yeah, well, no, it, it was it was a good product. So they were very interested in the flavour. They were interested in using mm. Australian. Mm-hmm. You know, so so their their heart was in the right place. Yes. And then for us, we wanted to supply and mm. we wanted to make our product better. So our heart was in the right place, and just those two things coming together ended up creating an amazing product. Because when you when you have the the avenue to sell a product then immediately you go, okay, well, we can invest in it. We can invest in better machinery and better, uh, better production. So, so we were very lucky in that sense. But, but the credit, I guess, for being able to achieve what we did in the pastry section or in a- anything we've worked in, whether it's the airlines or the restaurants, is really the people we worked with, 100%. Yes. Yeah. Did you, um, was it a balance at the time when you first started to sell between retail and between food service or did food service sort of come first or retail come first? Oh my God. Retail came first. Yes. Mm -hmm. So we've gone, no, no retail. We didn't even look at food service. Right. Right. So we've looked, we looked at retail, retail, get on the shelves. Um, And um, that was a disaster at the beginning. Like the first, (laughs) the first year, like 2011, we put out the butter in a paper, right? It, right. it was the proper paper, yes. <laughs> but it was paper. Yes. So with humidity and, and, you know, temperature controls in these fridges in retailers mm. back then, 10 years ago, um, all the butter was oxidizing. So yes, we had to right. do a massive recall and redo it in foil. That's why it's in foil now, like a butter right. foil. Okay. Um, so we, we, we did drop a lot of retailers. So we, we've had these hurdles that we've we sort of created our own worst nightmare at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But now, now, I mean, I guess. And then for 10 years, it stayed relatively like retail was 10% of our business once we, once we discovered food service and were able to work with the chefs and mm-hmm. had them come on board. Um, retail remained very low for us. Like it was like 7%, 8%, 9%, 10%. Mm-hmm. 
10%, mm-hmm. 15%. And now it, during COVID, we've managed to sort of capitalize on our, our retail sort of dreams, if you want to call it that. Yeah, of course. Where, you know, you want, you want a bigger part of the market. You want more people to try it. And, and I guess people tried it and, and it's been great guns since COVID started for our retail arm. You know, yes. like it's been yeah. really good. So, have you, have you found some of your food service partners take on the retail product as well as they may have done? Yeah. you know, um, grocery lines or that kind of stuff in their venues when they were shut. Yeah, like a lot of them started moving towards online delivery. A lot of them started doing, you know, that turning their cafes into corner stores. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of more bakeries. Like, like funny thing, the funniest thing. Like we were so, uh, I guess not. I wouldn't say. Um, uh, we were, we were a little bit innocent, I would say to the market or, you know, we were very amateurish when we first started that mm. for us, the dream was, um, let's hit all the bakeries. We want the bakeries to sell our butter. Of and it's like, what? Yes. You go bread, butter, yes. you know, mm-hmm. sell it together. Mm-hmm. So we were like, yeah, let's do that. And then we'd hit every baker and like, no, why would I sell butter? I sell bread. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> it goes with butter. No, 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 no. So no one would wow. sell our butter. Right? right. And we were like, oh, did, we got that really wrong. Like we really got that wrong. I would have done the same thing that you did though. That's just seems to make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like we, we've gone, ah, oh, this is, the, that's where the market is for us, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then now during COVID, that's what happened. Mm. All our customers have gone, oh, and uh, yeah, give us some of that retail stuff you've got. We'll, we'll put it out with the bread and they're all selling it because, because it's one less stop or you go into a bakery. Like bakeries have become so local now in Australia again, you know, like it's almost reversed back to what it was 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. Uh, or, um, where like I would never dream of buying bread from a supermarket. I just won't do it. Mm-hmm. I go to mm-hmm. bakery um, mm-hmm. and buy bread and to pick up a, a slab of butter from my local bakery is amazing to be able yes. to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like half the baguette that I buy like three baguettes and the mm-hmm. first half of one baguette never makes it home because I <laughs> in the cup. Yes. it smells good. You know? Yes. So, so no, it's, it's, yeah, a lot of our, a lot of our customers have, have, you using a lot of retail product now so it's really good mm-hmm. let's step back a bit i've got i've got some i think you're going to give me some really great thoughts in a second but how would you how would you explain cultured butter to someone who doesn't know and put it up against you know what people would normally associate with butter in the marketplace right so cultured butter is is it the basics of it are it's made from soured cream so, mm-hmm. so it's butter churned from soured cream mm-hmm. and normal butter, like everyday butter at the supermarket is, is basically just cream out of a cow churned yep. where cultured butter is, we take that cream, we sour it mm-hmm. and once it's sour, we churn it. Cool. But it's, I guess the difference between Peppy Steyer and, and the supermarket grade butters is that Peppy say uses a batch churn, mm-hmm. so a tumbler, uh, and it's least processed way of eating butter. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes complete sense. So that 
that really puts it in, you know, the same buckets as um, sourdough bread and craft yes. breweries and, you know, distilleries that, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. Like, why do you think, why do you think the profitable market in Australia and uh, worldwide has, has had this resurgence in the last, you know, 10 years, Pepe, like, like you just said before, like bakeries are sort of what they were 30 or 40 years ago. And, you know, I can completely agree because when I started a bakery in bakery sort of 20 years ago and, you know, I haven't, I haven't really been in bakeries for the last uh, three or four years. Um, it went through this wave of like people really caring about good quality bread and then supermarkets sort of, you know, changed it to dollar bread sort of strategy. Um, then mm. everyone went gluten intolerant and then, um, and then it's come back in a resurgence with sourdough. Like, do you, why do you think providors are, are coming back where people trust these brands again? Well, I think, I think what happened or what I saw happen in the last 20 years mm-hmm. is that delis and, and providors as such, like that more gourmet end of the market, have always been there. Mm-hmm. But majority of the products they sold was imported goods. Mm-hmm. So best cheeses from France and, and Europe, Italy, Switzerland, even the olives, the olive oil, the, everything, the butter, everything they were selling was imported. Like mm-hmm. uh, all the delis I know of in the last 20, 30 years. Yes. And then what the supermarkets came and did about 15 years ago is they wanted to blur the line between a deli and a supermarket because mm. they wanted people to come to them and buy their imported olive oil and cheeses and all that. That's why you always see supermarkets creeping into that fine food area and then they mm-hmm. pull back and then they creep back in and yeah, this is our like strategy. And all quite that. interesting. Yeah. Exactly. So what, what I saw is that the more people um, traveled, the more Australians traveled overseas the more they were exposed to beautiful baguettes and beautiful butters and beautiful cheeses. And when they came back here, there was a number of people that said, why aren't we making this ourselves here? Mm. We're talking about just general consumers that yeah, said, yeah. Oh, why aren't we making beautiful cheeses? And, and they were the people that put pressure on the market to create our own. Mm-hmm. So, so what happened as, as more and more people traveled, more and more people were exposed to really high quality food and, and artisan produce, more and more people and then producers started popping up because there became a demand. There was mm-hmm. talk about it. Mm-hmm. And that's how I saw it. Whether you take, you know, Sonoma and Brasserie Bread were the first off the, off the ranks for that. Yes. Yep. We were the first off the rank for, for art, artisan butter. There was a lot of cheeses, you know, that they ended up having a home rather than not having a home at all. Yes. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, 100%. You I don't talk- know if that makes sense, my answer, but... That, that made complete sense. Um, travel travel <laughs> makes complete sense in why Providors have, um, have come up. I totally agree. Um, what's happened to sort of your business in the, last, in the last three months? You sort of touched on a couple of things which have changed in regards with food service and, and retail coming up a bit, but is there anything else that you've done within your brand to, to make sure that it, you know, was able to pivot and, and uh, evolve during this time? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So what, what we did when we got hit with the COVID sort of 
panic around the 24th of March. So, mm -hmm. so we were a little bit later than most people. Mm -hmm. So when the restaurants actually shut, yep. we were hit where, where on that Monday morning around the 24th or whatever mm -hmm. that was, mm -hmm. um, all, all orders were pretty much canceled. Yes. So, mm -hmm. um, so our business is quite diverse. You know, we have, we, we already had online set up. We, mm -hmm. we already have retail, we've got bakery section, mm -hmm. then we have restaurants, uh, caterers, we have um, uh, uh, convention center and, and events, we have airlines, we have hotels, we have cafes. Yes. So we're across a very broad section of, of the, the food industry. Mm -hmm. Now, everything shut down except for online retail and bakery. Yeah. So, so out of the out of the eight nine sections we were working across, only three stayed. Mm -hmm. So we pretty much dropped to like thirty percent of our turnover on the wow. first week of that, wow. which was sort of like you, you're standing there like you've just been stung. You, you've you're just standing there going, "Oh my god, what are we going to do?" Mm. And then we just took a very deep breath and. Um, we took the weekend to sort of process it all and work out, okay, what's the best section uh, or what's the best thing to do. And we came up with, okay, you just throw everything you have at it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You throw everything you had at it. I was very lucky. I got given a report by a friend of mine that works in corporate and the report, uh, she sent it to me and, and I was reading it and the report was saying it was about digital and it mm -hmm. was saying, even in that, the beginning of March till the end of March that the uptake or the time spent on social media mm -hmm. had, had quadrupled. Wow. So because people are at home of on course. their phones. Right? Yeah, of course. So, so I was sitting there going, man, if people are home at their phones, we can reach them. We've just yes. got to, mm. we've just got to reach them. Mm -hmm. So let's throw everything we've got at it. Mm -hmm. Everything dollars into marketing and, and, and social media mm -hmm. and see if we can actually reach people. And if people are going to stay home, they're going to want to eat. There's going mm -hmm. to be a percentage of people that, are, that especially elderly that have been told, don't even go out, you know, like if you're at risk, so we can reach these people with really good packs and so on. Mm -hmm. So, so that's what we did. So mm -hmm. we focused on letting people know that one, we're still open. Yep. Two, we've got packs yep. online. We can deliver straight to you. And three, doing that told retailers that we were, we were available. And if you want our, our butter, you can have it. So the uptake from retailers was huge. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So we, we finally got the retail dream. <laughs> did, you, did you find that a lot, of, a, lot of your, um, a lot of your retailers were concerned that you could shut down for this period and worried about how your production sort of might be affected or was that not really a question that was coming through? No, I think, I think when they, I think most of the retailers realized sort of early on that even with heavy shutdowns, we weren't going to go down the road where they were going to shut the whole economy down. So you couldn't mm -hmm. buy, mm -hmm. I mean, that toilet paper saga, that what, that's what it was about. Yes. The fact that yes. people thought everything was going to close, even supermarkets, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. because that's how they were talking at the time. Yes. Uh, but I think retailers realized, oh, no, 
retailers aren't going to close because the government said so. Mm-hmm. That means if retailers don't close, it means food production won't close, mm-hmm. which means we were fine. We were, we were just going to be very strict. So we had to put in some really strict rules about social distancing at work and sanitizing and everyone wearing masks and all that. And we, we canceled all visitations to the factory and people weren't allowed to come here and stuff like that. So, so, so yeah, we, I don't think any of the retailers were concerned. I think if anything, um, we, we pushed quite a lot of product onto new retailers that didn't stock our product, which Mm -hmm. has been amazing. Was it a challenge for you guys to, to do your production maybe a bit differently with social distancing and that kind of stuff? I mean, you're dealing with a product which, you know, you have to be really careful with anyway. You have to have really good sanitation. You have to have really good hygiene principles. Did you find it was just another system and process you had to add, add into production team? Yeah, absolutely. Our labor costs went up by about 5% during COVID well, just because okay. of that. So, mm. so it's very measurable um, on what happened during COVID, especially uh, during the month of April and the beginning of May. Mm-hmm. So, five um, percent extra in labour costs because mm-hmm. we couldn't do as much as we would do before with the same amount of people. Yeah, um, sure. I mean, it's it, the the reality is is you look at it and you go, well, no one's really going to see you guys behind a closed door, so you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But the biggest issue was, and as you saw what happened for Cedar Meats, mm-hmm. is that if you contract something and 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 you get something into your factory like COVID, your whole reputation of your business gone, is right? over, mm-hmm. right? So, so you're stuffed. You mm. you got to rebuild. You've pretty much got to change your name. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, so everything you've achieved in ten years will go away in mm-hmm. in in, a, in an essence of of that. So we were we were extremely strict. Um, we like everything it was unbelievable we had we had consultants come in our our hassup guys mm-hmm. um you know our food consultants that came in and and checked that yep this is right okay that's perfect mm-hmm. let's let's go with that we're doing the right thing mm-hmm. so because we just didn't want it in here yeah very very smart play um you've talked you talked about you know um omni channels the new buzzword that everyone's been using in the last couple of months and obviously you just said You've, you've done more online in the last um, last couple of months. I've noticed in a lot of food service restaurants, cafes, now that they've started to reopen, they've said, okay, well, we're now not going to do takeout anymore or we're going to yeah. really, really limit it, um, which, which, you know, each their own, but I don't think is the right thing to do. I think all of a sudden this is a new channel they need to do. Like, what are yes. you guys doing? Are you guys just going to go with it now and say, okay, well, this is a new channel of business that, we can capitalize on long-term, even though you won't get as many percentage of sales for the immediate term? 100%. So what we've done immediately is we commissioned our, our website uh, developers to reconstruct the whole website. Mm-hmm. We've gone out there and got some really good advice from the people in the know about how online websites and online uh, channels should be handled. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got all that already in play. So by the end of June, we'll have the new website up and running. Um, We were doing, to give you an example, we were doing about 15 to 20 packs a week out on our online channel uh, before COVID. And we've had our online for five years. So it's not something for us. Yes. Um, But during COVID, we did 1,300 
packs a week. Oh my Lord. So, so <laughs> now that sounds great, right? But yes. what happened was there's no ice. There's not enough ice packs. Or what about right. boxes? Oh, packaging. Yeah. Oh, how are you going to deliver this? Yeah, how are you going to um, move it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like the guys from Go that, that used to come and pick up from us mm. would come and pick up five, five packs. He shows up and we've got one. There was one day we had like 350 packs oh. for him to pick up. Oh my God. He goes, I can't fit this in the van, guys. I, <laughs> like, I want to take it, but I can't fit it in. So then yeah. he's, he rang his boss and his boss brought another van down and they picked it up and they did it, which was amazing. But, wow. but you, you sort of like, it, it's it, the way you've got to grow, and I'm sure you've heard this a million times, and I have as well, is you've got to crawl, walk, run, you know, yes. like mm. old school. And, and when you go from crawl to, to sprint, yes. it creates so many problems in between. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. I remember those weeks in, in April around, around um, Easter, I was just running around picking up, you know, we were going to Bunnings to pick up bubble wrap. We were going <laughs> like, it was crazy. We, we couldn't get product in fast enough to pack yeah. the, the, the product in. Yeah. So, so like, if you look at it now, we're sitting at, um, we're sitting at about 250 to 300 packs a week. Mm -hmm. um, and we're really happy at that level. We can yep. service the customer. We can, mm -hmm. we can get it right. So, mm -hmm. so what we did knowing we were going to have problems, we said, okay, anyone that rings or emails saying they got the wrong thing, they didn't get their pack, instant refund, send it again. Yeah. Yeah. Don't even mm -hmm. question it mm -hmm. because you don't want to piss people off. You've yeah. got this once in a lifetime opportunity, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so now we're sitting at about 250 to 300 packs. It's very comfortable. We can service our customers. We've got the right amount of marketing to, to the right, right amount of output, mm -hmm. um, keeping that demand quite staggered and low but as we grow we we want to keep that that yeah like we've tried for five years to get this off the ground and we couldn't wow and now you know you what just, i mean like now you're just thrown into it yeah yeah like there's your silver lining so mm, mm. so you're going oh wow so but we invested so much money on that first week of april to kick it off like to tell people we're here and we've got these packs yes now we've done that so why would you let it go you know mm -hmm. what i mean mm -hmm. we've got to hold on and i think that the industry as a whole out there i mean you know like like let's take sydney ciders mm -hmm. myself included sure on a as soon as the temperature drops to 15 degrees <laughs> we don't go out right <laughs> yes and, and, Unlike Melbourne, <laughs> we're just used I, to I it. I was in no. Melbourne, <laughs> middle of winter, middle of winter in Melbourne. It's raining, it's yeah. hailing, and people are out. We've got a choice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So in Sydney, it drops to fifteen degrees, and we mm. stay home. So, mm -hmm. so the question is, you know, like, hey guys, you got an opportunity here. They're going to stay home. They could eat something pretty amazing from the restaurant. You know, sure. so yeah, absolutely. I can, I can, I can just imagine how hard a time that would have been for you to send out 1200 packs. We're talking about oh. a premium product. We're talking about a premium product here. You've, you're used to 10 packs a week and all of a sudden you've got yep. to 
you've got to make sure your brand doesn't your brand value doesn't crash in this period of time. Yeah. You've got them halfway along I mean, the line, you know, like it's tough. I mean, look, we pissed a lot of people off. Mm. Not a lot, like in percentage wise, it was small, but still. It would feel like a lot, right? Off yeah. Is a lot for me. Like I, I didn't want anyone upset. I wanted people to have the best experience, mm. but I, I think we were, we were just overwhelmed by the amount of people that ordered online, it was amazing. And we got through it. And the motivation for us at the time, that first week of, of April was like, my manager came up to me and goes, Peppy, if you want me to take a pay cut, I will. And it just broke my heart. Like, wow. like people were worried about their jobs, man. It's yeah, like, of course. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and it could have gone either way. It could have gone, and it just went, the right way for us, you know, mm. like whether it's luck or what it is, I don't know. I don't know. No, I think it, I think it shows Pepe. I think it shows the strength in brand more than just product, you know? And I think, you know, you've obviously built that brand equity for the last, you know, nine years, 10 years. And, and now it's had its day. So, I mean, that's a credit to you. What else? Oh, no, but we're, look, we're very happy with the result. Mm. I mean, we don't feel that we're out of the woods. We really yes. don't feel it because like all you need, I mean, you, you turn on the radio and, and what we were finding during COVID is like when, when the prime minister and, and, and the premier of New South Wales started talking things up and started being positive, mm -hmm. you'd notice an immediate bounce back. Yeah. Like people, right. You know, like people were like, you know, they'd spend and they'd buy and, and you'd start cafes, start going, Oh, it's going to open up. And you started seeing mm. movement. Mm -hmm. But at the beginning when they were talking things down, yes. Oh my God. So now every time I listen to the news, I go, Oh, please. No, no more negative <laughs> stuff. See something good. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, talking it's going directly to your business. Yeah. Yeah. It affects everyone, everyone's mm. business, you know, mm. but, but look, it, in our case, we were, we were very lucky in the business we had. Or we have um I, I mean my heart bleeds for my friends that had restaurants that had to shut down yeah i mean that's just terrible like what mm. happened to them mm. because the the reality is the banks put your 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 loans on hold they don't yes. just they don't forgive it. you for it <laughs> no you you still got to pay, still gotta so pay you three, mm. and you're gonna have to pay three grand but over the lifetime of the loan like yeah that's it yeah it's a challenging time what I, it what, was. What I was going to say is, you know, you've had at early stages, you've had a HACCP consultants coming, you've had food consultants coming, you've been on the front foot in making changes in your business. I don't, I don't um, see that a lot through founders of especially profitable businesses. They're not that strategy focused. So like, that's really exciting to hear you say those kind of things today. Where does that, where does that kind of mindset come from does it come from a you know a good board around you you know good staff like a good family unit that keeps you positive like where does it oh 100 percent, 100 percent. i mean i'm surrounded by absolutely amazing people uh even the employees of of the business are, uh, are absolute gems that you know if they see something wrong they'd say it even if i'm doing it they'll pull mm. me up on it which mm -hmm. which you need that but mm. we from the beginning of this business, we, we set out to make an amazing product. That's what we wanted. And to deliver an amazing product, you've got to do everything right. Like mm -hmm. you know, everything has to be right. 
everything has to be done properly. And, you know, we've just got really good grounding in, you know, we understand that, you know, we're, we're making a, a product people eat. So yeah. uh, we're, for, for us to make that, we have to have a health certificate from the health authorities of New South Wales. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to, to underpinning that, we have a HACCP certificate from a third mm-hmm. party. Mm-hmm. And then another thing that underpins everything we do is our export export certification that we just got in and these things look that to renew your certificates they cost you know a grand each which is it's it's not big Mm -hmm. but to get a certificate the training you have to go through it's insanely hard isn't it (laughs) and that's what costs you the money not not the certificate itself it's the planning of it so Mm -hmm. so we've got we've got quite a lot of one legislation but really good policies in place because our our guide or or, or our path for, for making our product is that our kids are going to eat it so yeah good point got to be the best we can make um i thank you so much for your time today pepe uh, last last question i've got for you is like what are you looking forward to now you've come through this you know obviously massive challenging cycle you're coming through it really really well um what are you looking forward to next in the stage of your business? Well, I think, I think there's the biggest opportunity for us. Uh, I say us, I mean, producers of, mm-hmm. of product in Australia mm-hmm. and for our business is that we really need to get people to think more about buying Australian. Now, during COVID, everyone jumped on, you know, local, supported their local, you know, uh, Providor, they supported their local fruit shops. You saw more and more. Like I've mm-hmm. always shopped at my local fruit shop in Erskineville, mm-hmm. and during COVID, he's had so much trade, and it makes me makes me so happy, right? Yeah, of course. And and we've got this opportunity to go. No, no, no. These support Australian. Think about where you're spending your dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, while the borders are shut, whatever. So I think as cheese makers, salumi makers, you know, all the food makers here in Australia, the producers, farmers, we need to really push that message through now. Mm-hmm. Maybe not in a, in shove it down people's throats. Yeah. You, like you, if you want to buy champagne, buy champagne, you want to buy a, a French butter, buy a French butter. But, mm-hmm. but I think you, if we can educate about the value of, of, spending that money here and what that means to all of us, mm-hmm. my kids, that guy's kids, you know, this person over here, mm-hmm. like it, it really can, can circulate the money more internally. Yeah, totally agree. Um, thanks again for your time today. What's the best way that people can find out about your product and the amazing stuff you're doing? Uh, look, definitely Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, at Pepe Sayer, simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, Instagram, we put all live updates, everything's there, all the links are there to go wherever you want to go on our sites, but definitely Instagram and, and I'm posting everything. So awesome. I look forward to making some comments then. That'll be cool. <laughs> all right, done. Pepe, thanks, so, thanks much. so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. All right, done. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Open Pantry Podcast. I hope you really enjoyed it. As always, please look in the bio of this podcast and always 
Send me a voicemail message. I'd love to know what you think of the podcast or just follow us on Instagram under Open Pantry Consulting. Until next time, stay well.